what goes up must come down. Welcome to the Brand Breakdown. I'm Michelle. And I'm Courtney. And this is where we're going to track the rise and fall of big brands, from companies to celebs to pop culture phenoms and everything in between. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. So welcome back. Uh, We're going to be talking today about what happened at Prince Philip's funeral. Say that five times fast. Um, After having talked about Oprah's interview and um, the allegations of racism and Megan's depression and um, all the things that went on with that. So we've left that behind last week. And this week we're picking up right at Prince Philip's funeral. (laughs) Prince Philip's funeral. Clearly, I can't um, say it five times fast. So anyway. No. Yeah. So Prince Philip passed away on April 9th, 2021. So this was just about just almost exactly a month after the Oprah interview aired. And at the time, a lot of people were quite surprised that the Oprah interview even went ahead because it was known that Philip was very sick at that point. He had been in and out of the hospital. He had had a couple of longer stints in the hospital. Um, There's an unfortunately very famous picture of him leaving the hospital for the last time looking basically like death warmed over. Um, Yeah, he was pretty gaunt. Yeah, it was it, it was like I'm sur- I'm honestly surprised that picture was allowed to be published because it was verging on disrespectful how sick he looked in that picture. Um, granted, he was like 99 years old. It wasn't as if he was, you know, a spring chicken or anything, but he did not look good. And people were really surprised that the Oprah interview even took place because they were saying, you know, obviously they knew they would be trashing the royal family in it. And how could you possibly let this go ahead knowing that your grandfather is so sick? But Harry and Meghan being Harry and Meghan did whatever they wanted. And so they went ahead with the interview. The interview aired March 7th. And then about a month later on April 9th, Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, passed away. I know that Meghan and Harry are, you know, very assertive. But I also would think that the producers who'd been touting this interview for months and months and months would have had a lot to say about whether or not the interview went forward. Just, you know, having watched the Oprah show my whole life, that the the people over there at Oprah or Harpo Productions would Harpo. definitely have made sure. Yeah, you remember Harpo? Um, would definitely have made sure that 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 went through. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I think that Harry and Meghan had a say to a point, but I also think the producers probably had a bigger say. I think that the Oprah interview is really interesting because rumor has it they were not paid for it. So there was no, they very easily could have backed out. You know, they very easily could have been like, listen, We have no loss here because you didn't pay us anything. No harm, no foul. It was also recorded, I think, two weeks prior to it airing. So there could have been time to hold it. You know, they could have, I mean, granted, they would have ended up having to hold it for like three months, which wouldn't have necessarily been the case. Um, But I think Harry and Meghan, if they wanted to be respectful, knowing how sick Harry's grandfather was, I think they could have backed out of the interview. And the fact that they didn't, just seemed like a big middle finger to the royal family, which obviously it was. <laughs> and that was like what they were going for. But it just seemed really, really – it didn't earn them any brownie points with any like royal watchers to be like, wow, you know how sick this man is. And like in his last few weeks, this is what you're going to put your family through. And your beloved grandmother who's dealing with her dying husband, this is what you're going to put her through. And like – I don't know. It's just 
Yeah, I definitely think that they were not thinking, how is this going to affect my family? I think they were thinking, how are we going to put our own own agenda forward? Exactly. They wanted to get their truth out. They weren't considering anyone else's feelings. They were also, I think, trying to use the opportunity to push their, like you said, push their agenda in terms of some things we'll discuss a little bit later, like their security issue that they were dealing with. Um, They were trying to explain away why they had to take content deals, which we'll talk about. Um, And a lot of the Oprah interview, you know, they were just trying to get out their truth and they forgot as they almost always do, that other people have opinions, other people have a version of the truth as well. And it just, it just was a bad look. Like almost everything they've done since they left, it was their very first like public thing back and it was just a bad look. Um, Yeah, for sure. So, so Prince Philip dies, it's April 9th. And then um, Harry went to his funeral, but Meghan didn't, right? Yeah. So in the few days between him dying and the funeral, there was a lot of talk about who would be there. Um, And it was pretty quickly announced that Megan would not be attending because at the time she was, I think she was like around 30 weeks pregnant with a little bit. Little bit was born at the beginning of June. Um, And so it was announced that Megan would not be attending because she had been advised not to fly by her doctors. So it was known that just Harry would be there. And a lot of people started speculating, you know, what does this mean? Is this a chance for, Harry and William to reconnect. Is Harry going to talk to his father? How are his cousins going to receive him? Because again, not only did he leave the royal working royal life in a huff, he then just a month before went on international TV trashing their whole family. And this was his like next interaction after that with them in person. And I believe if memory serves, this was his Oh, no, they had gone back one more time. They had gone back to the UK a couple times between leaving and this happening, but this was their first, like, in-person interaction with, like, anybody in their family and certainly anyone in their extended family. And to say the reception that Harry got was chilly would be an understatement. (laughs) Um, It was frigid? (laughs) Yeah. Like, there are photos where it's kind of sad. Like, he just kind of looks like he's – he's an island you know William has Kate and Sophie has Edward and obviously Charles has his wife and the queen has her children although this picture of the queen sitting in church because this was during COVID at the height of COVID restrictions so the gathering in the church was very small everything was pretty small compared to like any normal standard but like by a royal standard this was a ridiculously small funeral and the picture of the queen sitting by herself in church is just the saddest thing ever it was sad yeah it was so sad um but so everybody else in the family had somebody and there's harry by himself with nobody to he just looked anxious and unhappy the whole time i thought he looked very nervous like he did look nervous as if he was waiting for someone to come up and yell at him which (laughs) which would have been which they could have yeah like would (laughs) have been absolutely would have been warranted if they did but He just looked very on edge, very nervous, obviously very sad that his grandfather had died and he and his grandfather were very close, but it was just interesting to see. And then as they were leaving St. George's Chapel, which is where Harry and Meghan had been married, and they're walking back up the hill toward the castle, you see, we saw this very interesting thing where Kate 
hung back to talk to Harry. And so her and Harry were walking together. William was a few steps ahead of them or behind them. I'm not really sure. I can't really remember. But Kate kind of like maneuvered to get William and Harry walking side by side. And it was very – it looked – like watching the video of it, it looked very intentional. It looked like she intentionally like arranged the situation to like get them near each other so they would talk. And then she kind of took a little bit of a step away and – we saw the video of the three of them walking back up to the castle, just like old times, just like we had seen the three of them doing a million times before. And that really got people talking about, is this it? Like, is this the moment we've been waiting for where William and Harry have a big talk, they patch things up, and, you know, we we get to go back to normal? And the answer to that was no, like just a big fat <laughs> no, absolutely That's so sad. not. It's so yeah. sad. It's like it's I this was one of the instances where after Philip's funeral there were and even during Philip's funeral there were details that were leaked. So as they're arriving to the church, we get a press release from America about the flowers that Megan had sent. We don't know what flowers anyone else in the royal family sent. Every, we know everyone sent a wreath. But we get a press release in, from America that, like, don't forget Meghan Markle. Don't forget, like, Harry's wife, Meghan. She couldn't be here, but, like, here's what she did. And there were details I don't think about, I knew that. I don't yeah, think I knew it, that. It literally was released, like, as they were arriving to the church. And it was kind of just, like – that feels (laughs) very self-serving are you sure it was a press release like it was literally a release like a publicist release it was literally a release so she Um, would have had to have she would have had to have authorized that because you don't put out a press release without explicit permission from the person who wrote it or was involved with it or whatever as you and i both know Um, yeah so that's crazy that's crazy that she would have done that right before the funeral because it feels very um self-focused to yeah. say the least. And it also, we also were told, you know, not only did she send the flowers and detailing um, what type of flowers it was, but it also said that, you know, Megan sent a handwritten note to the queen along with the wreath. And so, you know, that was just a detail again. To did that like, note hey, say, like, look how good she is. <laughs> did, did that say note what? say, hey, I'm so. So sorry about the way I trash your family, um, but uh, <laughs> accept these flowers as my apology. Yeah, no, um, I don't. I, don't I am a thousand percent sure it did not. <laughs> yeah, I am a hundred percent sure there was no if apology I, given. If I had been Queen Elizabeth, I'd been like, take your flowers and put them where the sun don't shine. So yeah, anyway, moving was, on. But I know she never says was, that. She was much better than that. Yeah, no, it was a. Uh, it was just it was just interesting that, you know, as we're watching this funeral, suddenly there's tweets and co- like TV commentators being like, oh, we've just got word that, you know, Megan sent a wreath and da da da. And it's like, really? Like, really? Okay. Um, there was also, after the funeral, there were some tidbits that made the press about William and Harry's conversations and, you know, Harry had wanted to talk about specific things and, you know, they were hoping for XYZ reconciliation. And this is the time when 
it became very clear to the royal family that any conversation they had with Harry would not be a private conversation and it would not be a conversation that was held in confidence because even if Harry and I'm speculating here but even if Harry only told Megan somehow the rest of the world was going to find out what that conversation was about or that the conversation even took place in the first place and so this is when the royal family really like communications with them really started shutting down and actually started getting a lot worse because William and Charles were no longer willing to speak to Harry privately unless there was like a third party there um, just because they realized like we're not having private conversations. We're having conversations that are being leaked, which was very interesting because one of the things that Harry and Meghan complained about so much was that they said that the palace had been leaking against them and that was one of the things they said on Oprah was, you know, everything they were doing was being leaked and people were leaking rumors people were leaking things that weren't true to try to like cover their own tracks harry i believe in spare which comes later but he had accused the palace of using stories about him to cover up anything negative about william and charles oh yeah i know i remember that in spare mm -hmm. yeah and meanwhile he and Megan are leaking like every single thing they do every single interaction they're having with the royal family and that's still going on like to this day like earlier a few days ago was prince or was the king i'm sorry the king's birthday his 75th birthday and we got this like will they won't they have a phone call and there was articles about like oh harry and Meghan are planning to have a call with the king and then buckingham palace saying we don't comment on stuff like that and then harry and Meghan did have a conversation with the king and they did let um him see a video of the kids singing happy birthday to him and all of this stuff and it's like who is the source if not Meghan and Harry directly? Um, now, currently, a few days later, the story is, will they or won't they get an invitation to Christmas at Sandringham? And they they would accept one. They would welcome an invitation. So I can't imagine. I can't imagine that they would go to Sandringham for Christmas and have to face all of the people that they betrayed for several days over dinner and lunch and whatever honestly like to like i don't even know another way to say it other than to be like really vulgar and blunt but like the balls on them <laughs> to oh, even right. consider that anybody would want to see them and spend time with them at this right? point i just can't even like let's say that every single member of the royal family is a better person than me and they're all like yes or me yeah <laughs> And they're all like, yes, we are willing to put our differences aside, spend Christmas together. Let's move forward. As Harry and Meghan, I would just feel so uncomfortable the whole time being like, ooh, do they remember that thing I said on TV? Do they remember that book I wrote about how much I hate them, basically? Like, it would just be so yeah. uncomfortable. Right. It would be it would be terrible. Sometimes you burn your bridges and you cannot rebuild them. Because yeah. there's just too much collateral damage. Yeah. You know? And I, I think that one of the things that Harry and Meghan, maybe a little bit more Meghan than Harry did, is when they went out really hard with the victim narrative, they what they were expecting 
and not even just hoping for. Like I think they really genuinely were expecting that they were going to get an apology. They were going to get a public apology from the royal family about like we are so sorry that we hurt you and we put you all through this and like please come back. We welcome you with open arms. They never expected the royals to be like what the hell are you talking about and to famously have said recollections may vary. They were expecting everybody was just going to like fall all over themselves being like, oh my gosh, how can we make this right? And instead the royals were like, okay, well, we don't see it that way. And now you've betrayed our trust and our confidence a million times over. And anything we might've had to have apologized for, you've done a thousand times worse at this point. So. And it's really off brand. Can I please just bring in a little brand here? It's really yeah. off brand to um, couch yourself as a victim, to play the victim, to have a victim narrative uh, with a brand that was intentionally produced to show that you are a united front. You're these strong, confident, secure people who are doing good in the world, who are you know making a difference and um, helping people with mental health issues and helping people you know, rebuild their lives and all the different causes that they have, then to position yourself as the victim rather than an overcomer, right? Mm-hmm. So so if you if you are a victim um, and you have been in therapy and you have mental mental health issues, you don't necessarily want to be portrayed as a victim. You want to be portrayed as someone who's overcoming the things mm-hmm. that have happened to you. You know what I mean? Yep. An overcomer. Um So anyway, I just think from a brand perspective, they went way off script. Yeah. And I think that this is one of their biggest problems is like they've never – they've had some grand ideas about what their brand was. But from day one, they haven't really been able to live that ideal. So, you know, you talk about coming out and like playing the victim and like whatever. During the South Africa visit – one of the things that during that documentary where Megan famously said like, oh, the idea is that you should be thriving, not just surviving. And nobody asks if I'm okay, blah, blah, blah. She had this whole big pity party. They were visiting one of the most impoverished areas in the world. And she stands there on camera, a princess who lives in a mansion on a royal estate, whining about how hard it is for her while she's literally Her job is to literally be like shedding light on some of the poorest places in the world with some people, some people who have like the least access to resources in the world. And she's sitting there going, woe is me. And it's like, no, that is not, (laughs) that's not pretty tone deaf. Yeah. It's pretty tone deaf. You know, I'm, Hey, listen, I, I am not taking away anything that's happened to her or any way that she has felt in the past, but you have to be cognizant of your surroundings. You have to have self-awareness and situational awareness so that you don't intentionally or unintentionally, um, honestly screw up everything you're trying to do for the cause that you're representing. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're on this trip. The trip is to, uh, showcase, you know, um, the things that they're trying to do to uplift this area or to showcase what can be done to uplift this area. But all we remember is that she was sad and going through a tough time, which I don't take that away from her, but it wasn't the point of what they were doing. Right. And, you know, that is part of the Royals never complain, never explain mantra, 
their personal life in that regard doesn't come into things because if they don't complain about it, they don't owe the explanation to anybody, they don't have to justify certain things, and they also don't come off looking ungrateful because to sit around and whine, as Harry and Meghan did on Oprah, about how, oh, they didn't have security, which costs multiple millions of dollars per year. And they didn't have access to, like, whatever resources they wanted, their their office funding and all of that stuff, which, again, costs multiple millions of dollars a year, to sit and whine about it on TV when your audience is literally just like a bunch of people in middle America who are just, you know, working their nine to five every day. Some people are living like paycheck to paycheck. And you're like, oh, my daddy didn't let me have my multi-million dollar security. It's like, I have a hard time feeling bad for you, buddy. <laughs> like, Yeah. Not, um, not a few people living paycheck to paycheck, by the way, like many, 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 many millions of people living yeah. paycheck and to paycheck. And this was during COVID too. So this is people out of work for like months and months and months on end. Um, and it just came off so, you know, at one point he said, like, you know, all I had was my inheritance from my mother. Do you Which know isn't how that much- like $25 million? Yes, it was $30 million. <laughs> That's more money than most people could ever imagine. And he's like, all I had was my inheritance from my – like, uh-huh. That sounds like a pretty good start, buddy. Why don't you just pick yourself up by your bootstraps and get on out there with your $30 million that you didn't have to work for? What the heck? And it was just it, – that's just a constant trap that they've fallen into in trying to tell the story of their truth and how they've been so wronged and how they feel as if they're owed this apology – they keep pointing out how privileged they are and how lucky they are and how ungrateful they are. And they don't ever seem to realize it. It's just so bizarre that they never seem to realize how bad they look. (laughs) Just for reference, the average um, American has – uh, $65,000 in their retirement savings and about $225,000 saved up when they retire. So yeah. $225,000, if you retire at 65, not counting you're getting sick is, right. um, I don't know, if you live 65 to, let's say you live to 95, that's 30 years. You can live on $225,000 for 30 years. Yeah. Because social security is not a lot. No bills. Like that's assuming your mortgage right. is paid, yeah. your car is paid. You and you're healthy. You have to be healthy. Yeah. You have to and be you healthy. You don't have a single thing. Like all you're buying is groceries and utilities during that time. And maybe you can eke it out for 30 more years. Like, Except you're and, living on, on the bread line. Like you're literally living on the bread line. Yeah. And so, Harry and Megan yeah. went on and they were just like, oh, all we have is our $30 million. Like – Wah, wah, wah. Like, <laughs> sorry, yeah, buddy. Like, I, don't I have no. Care. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. $25 million can go a long way. I would think honestly. so. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. I mean, so. you don't. You don't need full time security, in my opinion. And, you know, being royals that don't work that most people aren't interested in. Yeah. You know, I'm sure I'm sure they get death threats. And I'm sure they get kidnapping threats and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they are <laughs> a famous. Yeah, they're a famous couple. That comes with the job. Like, I get that. 
Um, but I think you've said in the past that nobody else gets security except for the king his, and his immediate family that mm-hmm. is a, that are working royals, which is Will yeah. and Catherine and, you know, their children. Yeah. So it's actually the only people during the queen's reign, it's like a little easier to do it during the queen's reign. The only people who had full-time security were the queen and the Duke of Edinburgh. Charles and Camilla as the future monarchs and William and Catherine as the future monarchs and Harry also as like the son of the future king. So those were the only people who had 24-7 full-time security. Every other member of the royal family, working member of the royal family, only has security when they are working. You go out on an engagement, you put yourself in front of crowds, we announce prior to it that, you know, you're going to be in a public place. Yes, that is a danger. You get security. Now, it can't be understated that a lot of them have security by virtue of living on one of the royal estates, right? Anybody who lives within Windsor Great Park automatically has a ton of security because they live on the Windsor estate. Um, I believe Princess Anne has really good security at her home, Gatcombe Park. Um, Prince Andrew lives at Royal Lodge, which is on the Windsor estate. The York princesses live, they have apartments. One lives in New York, right? Oh, no, they've both been back for eons. Actually, Princess Eugenie just moved back from Portugal. Um, but they both have residences on the royal estate. So, like, by virtue of living on a royal estate, you have, like, this built-in layer of security anyway. But also, there have been royals. So Princess Anne, in her, I think she was, she was in her 20s or early 30s, she was on an engagement, and this was at the time when she had full-time security, And she was almost kidnapped while her security was with her. The queen had someone break into her bedroom at Buckingham Palace, one of the most secure buildings in the world. So Harry and Meghan saying like, oh, we don't have full-time security when they don't necessarily need it. And then there's people like Princess Anne who have actually had like very severe security threats who don't have it at all. They just go about their day. And part of the thing with with Harry and Meghan and their security issue is they run around saying, we're not allowed to have security. And that's not true. Any, I could go have security if I want. I could go get myself a security guard and pay their salary. And I don't know why I would need it, but like my kids are mean <laughs> to me sometimes. Maybe that's <laughs> keep them away from me. But like Your kids are tiny little half pints. They're fine. They're very, they're <laughs> very strong. I'm, I'm only 5'2". My kids are gigantic and they're strong. Um, they gang up on me. But so <laughs> um, Harry and Meghan, like they can have security. And they're right now actively suing the government in the UK because they want taxpayer-funded security. And that's the big difference. They can have security all day long. What they want is not to have to pay for it because it's expensive, which is exactly the reason that the taxpayers don't want to pay for it, because it's expensive. And they, one of the other reasons that they say is that in the UK, they have very strict gun control laws. And Nobody besides a police officer is allowed to carry a gun. So even their private security is not allowed to carry a gun in the UK. Their private security cannot get access to the same level of like information that a Met security officer would have. And so they say they need this security. And the British government, it's not the royal family who makes the decision on security. It's the government. It's their, whatever their... um equivalent of like homeland security is that is the office that makes these determinations and they're basically saying listen we don't see any active threat that would require you to have full-time security in the country or out of the country 
but certainly not out of the country and on our dime. We're not paying for that. And when you're in the country, if you stay at a royal residence, you'll have security. And by virtue of being with the royal family, you'll have security. If you choose to do something separate, we can evaluate it on like a case-by-case basis. But right now, no. And so right now, Harry is actively suing his father's government because he wants taxpayers to pay for security, which was a perk of a job that, I will say it again for the hundredth time, he quit. He was not fired from. He was not kicked out of. He quit his job, but he still wants the company car. And it's like, nope, you got to give that back when you quit your job. And he just doesn't get it, I guess. Clearly. Clearly. All right. So Prince Philip's funeral, Harry came, no resolution with William. Mm -mm. Kate seemed like she wanted them to have a resolution. Uh, The king and who's not the king at that point, but the soon to be king and William are not willing to talk to Harry privately. Mm -hmm. So Harry flies back to LA and, or, you know, wherever they live, Montecito. And is like, oh, well, that didn't work out very well. Let's have a baby. Then their lawsuit goes (laughs) to court, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, so then I kind of just touched on it, the lawsuit with the government. So Harry and Meghan decide at this point, and this had kind of already been in play a little bit, but they decide to like really aggressively go against the government and say like, no, we need security. Harry and Meghan since this time have said that they do not feel comfortable or safe returning to the UK because they do not have the level of security that they think they should have. Even though it is very possible that had they stayed in the UK and remained working royals, they would have at some point lost their security anyway, because again, most working members of the royal family do not have full-time security. And and certainly no non-working members of the royal family have any security or even members of the royal family who are part-time working royals. Um, like, for example, Princess Eugenie and Princess Beatrice will very occasionally undertake a duty. They don't have taxpayer-funded security unless that event has security. Their father pays for their security privately, Granted, I think the queen used to pay for it on his behalf, like whatever, whole big story. Um, But no, there's no precedence for a non-working royal to have security at this current time. And so Harry and Meghan have decided to take this to court. They've been, I think it's been like two, almost three full years of like running this through the legal system in the UK and they keep... They basically keep being told no, and they just keep appealing it and appealing it and appealing it. And who's paying that bill? Who's paying that attorney bill? Well, I would assume that Harry and Meghan will be paying it. Um, Part of me. They could be using that money to hire Gavin DeBecker in the States to provide security for them. I'm just saying. That's who they use. That is who they pay. Like they have the best security that money could buy. Like, it's not that they don't have security. They just don't. They don't want to pay for it. They want the taxpayer to pay for it. So instead, they'll spend, like, millions of dollars to sue the government, and they're probably going to lose that lawsuit and then be out. That doesn't even make sense to me. The math is not mathing on it. If they already pay Gavin DeBecker to give them security, then they're fully secure, and they just need to put that in their budget and not, you know, not, not always wear... $5,000 $5,000 outfits everywhere they go. I'm just well, saying. I mean, Harry and Meghan, it, they've become very litigious in the past few years. They're, they have a number of lawsuits. They had that lawsuit against the Daily Mail. They've got They won that one. one, though, right? But yeah, so they won part of the lawsuit. They lost part of it. They did not 
I believe they won a very small amount, but then they also owed a lot of legal fees. So it was like a wash in the end. They've also got another lawsuit going right now against a bunch of British tabloids. Um, and they're also the government is being brought into that lawsuit as well because they're suing associated newspapers and they're saying that there was like some sort of government inquiry into a scandal about journalists eavesdropping on celebrity voicemails and all of that stuff. And Harry has maintained, this is like a story going back like 10 or 15 years at this point, because it's already been around once. Um, And way back in the day, William actually was part of a lawsuit where some of the royals and some celebrities had found that their phones had been hacked. And it turned out that Catherine's voicemail was hacked. I think it was something like 146 times her voicemails were hacked because journalists were trying to listen to conversations she was having with William. And this was while William was in the army. Um, and so Catherine's voicemail was hacked 146 times, more times than any other person involved in the lawsuit, I believe. I believe Harry's voicemail was hacked three times during this time. Um, and or like it was like three times or six times, like a very low number. And Harry says that William and the organizations like filed, they settled out of court because William and Catherine didn't want to like drag it through court or whatever. And they also didn't want to risk their phone conversation. Like they didn't want to risk anything becoming public by having it like go through a public court proceeding. So they just settled privately. They got, I think like a million dollars or something like that. I believe the money was donated to charity and that was the end of it. And this was like a decade ago. Harry, I believe in spare, (laughs) said that this was a, like, William had made a deal with the government and he, like, got to cash out on the phone hacking, but he was never a part of it and he should have also been able to be a part of it. And, like, he didn't get his fair share of the phone hacking scandal payout. And everyone's like, well, Kate was hacked 146 times and you were hacked three times. So if they got a million dollars... Like, what are you looking for? Like, two bucks? Like, like, what did you... Like, it seems like it was proportional. And it doesn't seem like it was necessarily any sort of... Like, William did anything underhanded. They just made a decision that they didn't want the story to get out. And so they settled... Like, they just settled it out of court. The way a lot of people do things that are sensitive. Um, Yeah, absolutely. But Harry is now suing... And they're still in they're still in litigation right now. Yes, and like actually earlier today, a article came out today that the it says an attorney for Harry and the celebrities. So some of the celebrities are Elton John and Elizabeth Hurley. Um, an attorney for Harry and the celebrities said he would ask the government ministers to revoke or amend a previous order that restricted publication of records of payment to private detectives. So. The lawsuit is ongoing, and now they're also, like, bringing the government into it to try to, like, unrestrict some private stuff that had been settled in the earlier cases. Um, So it's all just – it seems that Harry and Meghan's, you know, we know they had these content deals. We know that they had the Spotify deal that uh, did not end the way they had hoped to put it kindly. Oh, um, can we please segue into that? Yes, we sure can. <laughs> um, so 
they had their content deals and that was announced on Oprah. In the Oprah interview, Harry said, like, because my dad has cut me off, because I only have my $30 million from my mom, I, I had that. to, yeah, like, oh, woe is me. I had to go make this deal with Netflix because I believe Netflix was the first deal that was announced. And everyone's like, oh, like, poor baby, you had to go make this. Go like, make $100 million. million. Yeah. yeah, like, woe is you. I feel so bad. Um, the second deal yeah, that was announced was the, the deal inside. with Spotify for exclusive content. And after two and a half years of the Spotify deal existing, they they launched a grand total of, I believe it was 12 episodes of Archetypes podcast. Now, granted, during this time, the queen had died. They took a sabbatical. Who knows what was edited or changed? Who knows what plans were scrapped? But it took them two and a half years to release 12 episodes. Just for funsies, we're recording our ninth episode right now. And we've done one a week for nine weeks. Like, this is not a hard <laughs> thing. Oh, we did and two I, a week, one week for Halloween. True. And we have plans to start doing two a week more frequently. Um, yes, we do. But it's not something that took us two and a half years to plan. It's not something <laughs> that we have a team, like a whole production team backing us. Like, it's just us. It's just the two of us. And Megan, Archetypes had a literal team. I think there was 12 people working on archetypes, not to mention their entire team at Arkwell. Um, like they have a team of people and they could only manage to put out 12 episodes over the course of two and a half years. And that's insane. It's it's, it really says to me either every idea they had was that bad that they were just getting shot down and they could not get anything off the ground because they had nothing worth providing which you think Spotify right. would have like done their research a little bit there and before they offered them $20 million contract would have been like, hey, pitch us some ideas first. Um, sounds right. like that didn't necessarily happen. Um, or they just didn't have the work ethic to do it. You know what I mean? Like either they had such bad ideas that they had nothing to provide or they didn't have the work ethic to do what was required. Right. And in either situation, it's not a good look for them. So, Or maybe they're just boring. Yeah. Well, so Bill Simmons said what we were all thinking and called them fucking grifters. And this is we do have an E for an explicit for explicit. Yes. (laughs) We have our explicit mark. Um, We are allowed to swear. Um, But yeah, so Bill Simmons, the head of podcast content from Spotify, was like, they're grifters. They had some ridiculous ideas. He at one point kind of said something that was like, I wish I could talk about it. And I was like, woo, buddy, I do too. Like, I want to hear what these <laughs> ideas were that were Someday. so bad. Um, he also at one point criticized free speech while he was on Dex Shepard's podcast. Um, and he said that he thought like the First Amendment was, uh, First Amendment was bonkers. And so Spotify was probably like, hey, <laughs> we have a lot of people who make money on the First Amendment. So if you could please not bash it that would be great and it just seems like they couldn't get their act together to deliver on the terms of their contract now their netflix contract i believe is a five-year deal so it's coming up i think next year is the end of it and as part of that netflix deal they've put out the harry and megan documentary they put out they had a show called pearl it was supposed to be an animated cartoon it was canceled before it ever went into production they had an Invictus documentary, which was actually supposed to have been really good, but it completely flopped. 
And they had one called, um, I think it was called like the Life I Lead or a Life to Lead or something like that. And it was their production company had bought it after it had already been produced. And they basically just like repackaged it as an Archwell Productions product. But it wasn't something that they had produced. And that also flopped. And interestingly, somebody who was involved with it, Jacinda Ardern, who was the Prime Minister of New Zealand at the time, issued a statement saying she was not a part of the production knowing that Harry and Meghan were going to purchase it. So at the time of her participation, they were not involved in the project. And she actually put out a statement saying that, which I thought was interesting. Telling. Because, yeah, that's a head of state distancing themselves, or a former head of state at that point, distancing themselves from being affiliated with them. Um, and so that was very telling as well. So I wonder, I mean, I wonder, so if they're five years, is that, next year you think 2024 yeah i think it's next year um so they've gotten 20 million a year Mm -hmm. to produce mostly nothing yeah pretty much nothing that's been successful other than i think i think their um their documentary about themselves was well watched yeah their documentary you're right that wasn't fair for me to say their documentary did very very well but it's not necessarily repeatable because what are they we've heard like it they've all. Already, yeah, like they've they've said the whole story. Harry had spare come out. Unless they just do a complete pivot and just go into reality TV and let us be a fly on the wall all the time, which honestly I don't even think that would be that interesting because I don't think their day-to-day life is necessarily that interesting unless they're just constantly sitting there talking about all of the drama they have going on. I like the Harry and Meghan docu-series success is not repeatable success because they told the story already. Um, and they did actually, they also bought the rights to a novel that was essentially like about them. Oh and, yeah. We talked about that on an earlier episode. Yeah. So that will be coming out and that is something that they're going to be producing. So we will see how that does as they make a shift from, documentary type of content into entertainment. Now, is she starring in that or are they just producing it? They're just producing it. So, Because I feel like that based on some things we've seen in the last few weeks, she's um, poised to make a comeback in the acting world, but maybe I'm incorrect in that. I don't know. I, I don't know if she's going to come back as an actress but I think in the last few weeks we've definitely seen Megan taking a step out on her own a lot more and we've seen things that kind of indicate that her professional career is going in a different direction than Harry like professionally she is going to be independent of Harry now last night because again there can't be a big British event without Harry and Megan popping up last night they were at a hockey game together looking very cute and in love a couple weeks ago they were at a concert looking very well harry actually looked kind of miserable but like whatever they megan looked cute looked like they were having a good time it was a katy perry concert um but earlier this week or i guess a couple it's tuesday now so late last week megan was attending variety's power of women event and harry was not there and this is a pretty big you know i've seen some people on 
Twitter and stuff saying, oh, this is like a second-rate event. Like she could only get herself invited to a second-rate event. It's not. That's a really big event in Hollywood. It's a huge, very important event. Like it's not the Oscars. It's not a televised red carpet and all of that. But it's a really important industry event. Megan was there. She was not – reportedly, she was not on the official guest list. She was the plus one of her agent. Um, But – that also to me is pretty telling because that means her agent is there like actively positioning her to be around all of these Hollywood heavy hitters for lack of a better term. And they're really putting her out there as she's making some sort of moves professionally in the Hollywood sphere as opposed to the humanitarian sphere and the behind the scenes aspect of things. So I think it'll be interesting to see how their paths start to diverge, especially because at the time that we see Megan kind of striking out on her own independently, we then also have been hearing a lot more about the royal family and them, you know, these birthday phone calls with the king and them wanting to be invited to Christmas at Sandringham. And it's like, okay, what's the angle? Like, where are we going? Are we trying to actively come back into the royal family because we're realizing none of this has worked out the way we thought it would are we trying to capitalize on the royal connection and just reminding people that we are royal adjacent by putting these stories out into the press like reminding everybody like hey the king is my father-in-law pay attention to me um or is it about like actually trying to do what they should have done in the beginning from a brand perspective and writing the situation with their family and supposedly rumor has it that the king said he would not be willing to have a conversation with Harry and Meghan about like reconciling unless she was also willing to have one with her father whether or not that's true I obviously don't know but apparently the king is like listen if you're serious and you guys want to make things right prove that you're going to make it right all the way around. Like you're not just going to get back in with us because we're royal. You know what I mean? Like he's trying to be like, make it right with everybody or don't bother. I don't know if that's true. It's just a rumor that's been floating around, but it's interesting to see what happens next. Well, I think that's the only way that they can achieve brand redemption overall is if they did make it right. So I think we're going to stop on that note for today and pick up next episode with the queen and the queen dying and the funeral. And we'll talk about more of these things that are going on then. Um, but thank you everyone for being here. We hope you have a super happy Thanksgiving. We're so thankful to have you guys following us and listening to us and downloading us. We love what we're doing so much and we couldn't do it without you. And if you are not in the U.S. and you're not celebrating Thanksgiving, we hope you just have a great rest of your week. And we will be back next week with some more content and an announcement for you.